everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Beyond the Chalkboard. I'm Katie, and this is a space where we aim to build community among faculty and educators, inspire innovation, and share new technology-based teaching strategies. Thanks so much for tuning in. On episode two of Beyond the Chalkboard, I am speaking with Ronald Enns, who is a manager of business development in the Continuing Professional Studies program at Kwatlin Polytechnic University. In this episode, we talk about Ron's latest work with virtual live classrooms and how this could be the future of many continuing professional study courses. We are going to jump right into learning a bit more about Ron's background to start. Yeah, my name is Ron Enns. Uh, uh, as Kevin mentioned, I'm the manager of business development for continuing professional studies at KPU. I came from the water and wastewater sector, so that would be public works. Um, it's a strange way and a strange trip to get here, but I'll say as quickly as I can. <laughs> I started as a laborer back in 2001 and um, kind of worked my way up. And within about two or three years, um, I'd already become the first data for the crew um, and then onto the OHS crew, our uh, committee, and then started getting involved that way. Um, and then eventually they asked me to do some training. Uh, then that's when my education started. Um, and I went to BCIT uh, for Occupational Health and Safety, and uh, from there to VCC for Adult Education, um, and uh, took probably about five years of schooling, uh, much as I could, <laughs> as my family was being raised, and slowly worked my way up the ladder until I became a sub-foreman, um, then a foreman, then a superintendent. In the last six years, I was a city, I was uh, superintendent. But during that time, most people would take holidays, they would leave the country. <laughs> I would take holidays and go and train. I found that there was a huge lack of ed education around the water and wastewater industry. And it always puzzled me considering that these are the people that, that take the water out of the lakes, out of the streams, out of the ground, treat it and provide that to the public. And yet they have the least amount of training. Mm. So that always got me a little concerned and puzzled. So my passion turned, turned into instructing these people to ensure that they had the training they needed so that they could provide the safe water to the public. Mm -hmm. And that's where I started doing a lot more training, mostly around safety and operation around water systems and sewer systems. Um, I just got involved with associations and I did training for them. I got involved with the uh, BC Association. Um, then I got involved with the Western Canada Association. Then I got involved with the World's Association. And then I started teaching abroad. It's just been a, an, uh, and this has all been off the side of my desk mm. out of, other than my normal superintendent job. Mm -hmm. uh, I was looking for new opportunities, leaving the city of Vancouver. Spent about two years, got five interviews in different cities and municipalities, and then KPU came along. They had just purchased 75 water and wastewater courses, and they needed someone to run it. And it was a perfect opportunity. And that's where you came in. And that's where I came in, and it has evolved quite a bit since then. Yeah. Um, but water and wastewater has been the biggest one. So we brought that to a university uh, institution, and, and it's teaching entry-level workers. And these are the workers that, like I say, they're the ones that are working in the water mains and the sewer mains. Mm. They're working in the treatment plants. They're the ones that are, that are on the groundworks that mm -hmm. are putting it together. Mm -hmm. They're not engineers, um, they're not designers. Um, so they're the, they're the missing piece that was not being trained. We have engineers, we have, we have water and wastewater technicians being taught uh, by other universities and colleges in BC, but this piece was not being met and these guys are delivering it. Mm -hmm. So that was, uh, that was kind of where it all started and that became a big passion and I was hi hired here to build the water and wastewater education for BC and Yukon and Western Canada and internationally. 
That's exciting. And there are some really exciting things that you've been working on. And I'm, and we will be able to talk a little bit more about that for sure mm -hmm. during this podcast. So you're talking about these workers that are on the ground. They're focusing on the main safety of this water and wastewater systems. Tell me a little bit about the the learner that you're trying to reach, because that I think is really, really important. Yes. So as it stands today, for any smaller town or municipality, and these are people that are in charge of anywhere from, you know, 50 or 50 or 60 people on one water system, up to three or 400 in smaller towns and hamlets, up to small, small townships of mm -hmm. three, four, five, six thousand people. And they currently have very little to no training and they're providing potable water to the public. And this is where the, the issue and the, and the danger lies, really. To get that training, that means, and the only training that's available is really offered here in the Lower Mainland. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. And it's usually the association that offers it or it's us that offer it. Because the largest population is obviously Lower Mainland, it makes sense. This is where the instructors are, this hmm. is where, the, where, where we're building it. However, that means that they've got to travel a long ways to get that training. And it's very expensive for a small town or small municipality, it just doesn't have that money. Mm -hmm. They have five, six, seven, eight operators. And how, how do you reach those operators? They, they can't afford to send five, six, or eight operators out of the town to Lower Mainland. What happens if they get a water main breaker? If they have to do emergency repair, there's no one to do it. So then they end up sending maybe one if they can afford it. And it's expensive, travel costs and everything else, just to get a small chunk of training and then, and then get back. And that's currently what's happening now. They'll come to conferences and, and do as much as they can. We have large conferences that, use, conferences that usually happen in the Okanagan and on the island and here in the Lower Mainland. Um, but again, those are small populational areas, but that's still not reaching mm -hmm. 80 to 95% of the other operators. Um, so as I've been building this water and wastewater system, um, educational system from introduction all the way through to management, um, that was kind of the biggest gap that I've always tried to see. There's got to be a way that we can do this. So being that years and years ago, um, I... Uh, I used to be a computer programmer back in the day mm -hmm. um, and, and doing programming uh, at high school. And I've always had an affinity with electronics and systems and computers. So why can't we deliver that training the same way only through a virtual live classroom platform? And the technology had always been there. Of course, everybody knows, you know, I'm not going to say names, but other, other uh, software uh, pieces that have been out there, and we use a lot of business you know, meetings and conferences through video conferencing and mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff. And, and that's been good, but the quality hasn't really always been there. Um, and the connectivity isn't always there and that type of thing. So I heard about two years ago that they're planning on building this uh, new Civic Plaza and what they're planning to put in here. Mm -hmm. And I found that through some, a couple of people talking when we were talking about this virtual live classroom idea. And um, that's kind of where it all starts to take off. Um, I have a relationship with another organization that has currently been running the virtual live plat uh, classroom on their own platform through live webinars um, out of their facility and I do their training for their union facilities. So I've already had a relationship with them and have been following what they've been doing. So knowing that this place is going to be built, I worked with them for the last two years offering small two-hour free live webinars, uh, seminars, mm -hmm. I'd say webinars, excuse me, more like seminars and trying to learn about the technology and how it's gonna work and how it could be delivered and what does it look like on the other side and how does it look from my perspective being an instructor teaching in this platform? Mm -hmm. Like, what are the challenges? So I used myself as a guinea pig the first six times I did this <laughs> and I failed miserably and I walked off screen and people going, you're off screen, I can't see you and, and my speak a little louder, I can't hear you and my mic would fall off and I'd pull wiring and anyway, I went through all these learning curves of trying to figure out what I was supposed to do and how I was supposed to do this. 
my key, my main idea is how do I bring the instructor to the smaller town without literally bringing the instructor to the small town? Mm -hmm. But maybe we can bring a perfect high definition image with voice and and video, seamless connectivity there and, and be able to interact. So, which means they have to have a mic, we have a mic. They have video, we have video. Mm -hmm. and, and how do we do that? Where did that placement go? And those are the pieces I've been working on to, to make it as virtual and live as possible, hence the word virtual live classroom. Mm -hmm. But it had to be done in a classroom platform because that was the other thing that I did. We tried to do people on laptops in their own homes, you know, going home and taking a course and we'd put a whole bunch of people and connect them onto the system. Well, then you're hearing the dogs bark in the background, people ringing the doorbell, banging and clanging in the kitchen and all this stuff was being transferred over to not just me, but everyone who's listening into the system. So finally we decided we needed a lot more control because we can put as much control as we want. It always happens anyway. And you don't even know who is causing it. And then there's music in the background and we had all these issues. So we went to the classroom platform. The classroom platform is controlled. We have somebody who can proctor it. So we decided that that would fit the best format. Mm -hmm. And that's basically how we designed it up to the point, and November of last year, 2018, we had our first live delivery of an eight-hour course to um, a public works group in Powell River, which obviously is difficult to get to, not a very, really? you know, boat, uh, plane. I mean, there's not much uh, ways of getting there. So they felt they were quite remote and cut off, so we decided to do a live broadcast, a full eight-hour course on unidirectional water main flushing. A technical course. Mm -hmm. So I got my most lively instructor because that was the other thing. Mm -hmm. um, brought him to, to at this time, it was the uh, one that we're treating the trials at. And he was very nervous. I got to say, he's never done this before. He's retired and he did not know what to expect. And he kept envisioning these webinars and, you know, Skype business things and, you know, and, and things going wrong. So I, I'd done all the pre-work. I want to make sure this is 100%. If I not feel 100% comfortable, I wouldn't do this. Mm -hmm. and, and I convinced him to come. And of course, we had to do it the day before and do the testing and make sure we connected up because he wouldn't do it otherwise because <laughs> he, he, his reputation just as much as is on the line here. So I had to make sure everything was right. Uh, and then the next day, we sat in, we set them all up and, and working and it worked out fabulous. And I found out some really good key learning strategies because as an instructor, we always watch our students. We're looking at our students. We're telling them, are they paying attention? Are they getting it? Are they falling asleep? Are, are they active? Are they being interactive? You know, as instructors, we're constantly doing that. Well, how can we do that on a virtual live platform? Because we're still instructors. Mm -hmm. So now we have to bring that image of them as clear as possible so that the instructor can see them. And the other thing is, is that when an instructor talks to you on a screen or on a video, we want to make sure he's looking at you. So in order to do that means the camera placement is crucial in where the monitor is. Because when you're looking up at the monitor in the class, you want to make sure you're looking into the camera at the same time. So those were, th and that goes on both sides. Mm -hmm. So that had to be very, that was very important. Um, and once we got that, I, he, when he, he went in there in the morning, not knowing what to expect, total like nervous and all kinds of stuff. By the end of the course, he was jumping up and down and he could not believe how well it worked. So eight hour course, full delivery. On the other side, all they had was a laptop with a camera on, on, the, on the laptop. They had a unidirectional mic, which a USB they plugged in, set it in the, in, on the table amongst the five guys. They had a projector and a screen. That was it, and, and speakers. Other than that, they had nothing else. So it was nothing special, no special equipment, and they were on Wi-Fi at the other end. So we had to use the hardware on our end to do all the buffering to make sure we get the best quality video to them. What we got back from them wasn't HD by no means, but that was okay because we just need to see 
how they're reacting, their body language. You know, as instructors, that's what we're looking for. So it doesn't have to be perfect, but on the other side, it does. You want to see that the, inst the instructor, you want to see his expressions and how he's teaching, because that's that's where the interaction is. And it worked out so well. Um, yeah, so the only difficulties, and there was only one difficulty the whole time, for two, twice, for 30 to 40 seconds, they lost an image. Not sound, just the image mm -hmm. at the other end. So we don't know if that was buffering or Wi-Fi or what it was, but that was it. That was the only issue. So that's that was kind of my focus. That was kind of the reason why I did this. And um, now that we have that first running, now it's now and now we have Civic Plaza. So we have the ability now to mm -hmm. to deliver this ourselves. Yeah, that's what we're working on right now is, is getting that software, getting the hardware, meshing them together and and going through, I, you know, for, fortunately for me, it won't be two years of research. It should be only a few weeks. We should be up and running. That's really exciting, Ron. Yeah. The big thing that it kept coming towards me is is the fact that these workers, they're in Powell River and they're, they were in their plant, correct? They were in a classroom around their plant. So if something happened and they needed to attend to, they could have. They could have left and they, the cost savings from sending one or two guys down to Cape U or to the lower yeah. mainland to get that training is just it opens the doors. Less. It hugely opens the doors, and you're exactly right. It opens the doors for all this training now. Like if we can, now that we, and something I didn't say is, is fiber, uh, TELS has got $4.8 million to replace all of, all of BC to fiber. Mm -hmm. Fiber is instantaneous. That provides a high quality image with matched uh, voices to the image perfectly. And that's what we really need. So that that's helping me too, because they're about halfway through replacing all the fiber throughout BC. So. That's going to really change the quality of it, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we have to have it because on the other end we don't as much as we do on this end mm -hmm. where we're delivering. But uh, but yeah, the cost is great. Now they can their five to eight guys can all sit in the classroom. If there's a problem, half the guys can disappear and do their mercy repair if they have to. We can do the course the next day. Mm -hmm. The cost of the course now they're saving on all that travel. I mean, I still have to pay my instructor and everything else. So the cost of the course itself for me isn't much different, but for them. They're now paying normal prices anybody would be in Lower Mainland. They can pay the normal price out there. And they can get that instructor, they can get that. We ship up all the materials you know, a few days ahead of time. So they have all the registration forms, the sign-in sheets, the tests, exams, the manuals, the copies of PowerPoints. It's all sent up ahead of time. All we just need is someone to proctor that. Mm -hmm. So it just could be a receptionist. That could just, you know, make sure they fill out the forms in the morning, the course starts, and then, you know, she checks in regularly, he checks in regularly, mm -hmm. and at the end, administers the test, puts it in an envelope, sends it back to us, we mark it, we're good to go. And the, the accreditation body, which is the Environmental Operator Certificate Program, uh, who accredit, accredits all the facilities and the operators um, to make sure that they're properly trained to do this, they've accepted this method for 100% continuing educational units, where normally webinars, they don't because it's That's not the so same. exciting. So they've looked at this whole thing and I've done a little demo to them and they went, wow, you know what? We will give you full educational points for that, for all the students that take this course. Mm -hmm. So that's a huge win. That made the next step. That was for us able to deliver to Powell River and now to others. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's what I'm working on right now, is that's really getting that delivered out there. Advertising and marketing is going to be a real challenge mm. because everybody kind of, again, even like my instructor, is thinking about these TED Talks, webinars, and all these other things that aren't perfect, that don't always work, constantly crash. And yes, I know that is a possibility. It'll always be a possibility. But I think that the other end of it and the amount of the ability to be able to give this training outweighs the possible issues that could happen. Mm. 
Mm -hmm. And I think even though there might be a, a risk for something not to go as well as you had planned, mm -hmm. there, I think these, these guys or these students or these people who need to learn this will have an understanding because they're not, they're saving this t time and this travel to actually go, go down to the lower mainland. So I think that yes, it is a trial and it is something that you're working on, but at the end of the day, this is so valuable and, and once you get it up and running 100%, it's, it's going to be invaluable for anybody who's out in rural uh, BC and we expanding not only to, to, to BC, it could be, go more globally as well, Ron. I don't think that it's just wastewater management here. We're talking about, you know, it, I mean. This is everything, and this is anything, and this is where it all starts. So, of course, it started with Public Works. Yes. Because these are guys are hard to reach, but they're not the only ones that are hard to reach when it comes to education. Um, there's so many different opportunities, and this is where the excitement comes in, is that what we can offer, if we can make this work for the outside worker, this opens up construction workers, this opens up, and then from then on it just goes, it goes, anywhere like if, if one accreditation body will accept this for full credit units then others will surely follow along too when you Definitely. go into their area and now suddenly they'll they'll be looking at this technology but wow it, it works really well here why can't it work over here and there's so many opportunities for this but it's so much different than than the instructors sitting in front of the laptop and all the students sitting in front of laptops in mm -hmm. different locations you know kind of working on the same software program and communicating and mm -hmm. doing group activities it's different than that it's it's taking the worker outside who's not used to working on computer systems. There's a reason why they're an outside worker. They like to be out there. They don't want to be in front of a computer. Mm -hmm. Be able to bring them in and then give them, you know, this type of training at the same level as if they're actually in the classroom with an instructor, interactive and talking and laughing and communicating. That's the key piece that I don't see out there. I, I've done research on virtual live classroom and they all go back to kind of the TED Talk system. Mm -hmm. And the other nice thing is, is even if, if out of those five or eight guys, only six can make it, um, and we do uh, the we do the class for the day, we record it. We can turn around and send it right back to them. The other two can watch it on their own time, and they could get maybe not full credits for it, but they can give something out of it, mm -hmm. right? And 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 valuable learning. So this this is there's another kind of a another way to reach even more people yes. that weren't able to make it to that classroom at, on that day. But however that recording is, is available now mm -hmm. and it has all the questions back and forth. It's a full day recording, so it could potentially be another avenue to gain that education. Mm -hmm. So, and, and that just opens up all kinds of things. I mean, those could be, you know, I mean, it can get one step further and it could be posted on YouTube or it could be, you know, listen on to this one. You don't have to pay a huge amount, just a little bit, you know, just to cover a few of the costs, mm -hmm. you know, on, on the delivery. So there's, there's so many different things. And like I said, construction workers, any outside worker can be trained on this type of platform. Everything except for the hands-on component. That's where that's where we're going to have our difficulties, but this at least gets gets that type of training in the door. Thank you so much, Ron, for coming in and chatting about some of these exciting things that you're you're doing and um, continuing professional studies. If you would give one maybe piece of advice or or recommendation, what would you leave with us? Um, if you decide that you think you can do this, choose a good software platform that's easy to use. Make sure that you. Um, as instructors and as students, we have a certain way of learning things. We gotta modify our system and our delivery to satisfy the student. So the student is the is obviously why we're all here in education. Mm -hmm. um, so we need to know our audience, know our students, know what they want, know what they don't want, and deliver accordingly. Don't deliver something that, oh, well, this is how we do it, so you've gotta bend around to this. 
No, it doesn't work that way anymore. That, not our new generation of learners aren't going to go, they're not even going to do that. You know, they, they want to pick up a phone and have live delivery on that. If, if we could do that, well, we mm. can actually, but that would be their next step. You know, knowing your audience, understanding your audience, understanding the instructor, understanding the experience of the student and the experience of the instructor are key ways of putting this together. And then the rest of it is really just software technology. That's the easy part. Mm -hmm. Actually, I thought when I first started this two years ago, that would be the hard part. But actually I found out that isn't even the hard part. <laughs> the hard part is making sure the instructor is doing, is still an instructor. He's still seeing the students. He's still reading the students. He's still, you know, there's, he's still an instructor and make sure the students still understand they're still a student and the instructor's there and they still have to abide by the same, how do you say, rules, <laughs> rules of the classroom. So that, that really um, is, is be the key point of uh, trying something like that. It's, it's not easy. It's a way of thinking outside the box, thinking differently, putting yourself in their shoes. But once you do all that, then you can deliver an awesome product. I mean, I, I'm, I can't believe I'm still the only one that's doing this. I've done all the research. I, I thought this would be done years ago. Well, but apparently, it's not. <laughs> well, we're getting the word out here, just even with this podcast, and hopefully we'll, we can spike some interest and get more people asking questions about how this can maybe work for their disciplines, and um, hopefully we'll be able to see this throughout BC. I'm really excited to hear more about it. Oh, awesome. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be very exciting next few years to see where this goes, but, uh, but the possibilities are just, I mean, they're almost endless, really. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, technology's here. Mm -hmm. so. Now it's just a, a ability to utilize it. So, and 3D image is coming. We got steam machines now and 3D image projectors. <laughs> we can all we can project a, a full from about the waist up of a of instructor, but the steam and the smoke doesn't quite still working mm -hmm. on that technology. But that's coming. It is coming. <laughs> it is coming. Ron, thank you so much for spending some time with me, chatting about all the cool things that are happening. Um, I wish you luck as you start launching this program with the virtual live classroom, and I look forward to hearing about your success. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Caitlin. Uh, I appreciate being here and, and I hope uh, this has been somewhat helpful. Anybody who wants to reach me, I'm more than happy to chat to, any, to anybody who's got some interest in something like this. I'm easy to find. I'm Kualan, Continuing Professional Studies, and my name is Ron Enns. That easy. Implementing virtual live classrooms to meet the needs of working professionals who are living in remote areas, I think is just the tip of the iceberg when considering the potential of this. Thanks again for sharing your journey over the last few years of implementing this project, Ron. If you think this idea could be a solution in your own classroom or discipline, please look for Ron's email contact in the podcast notes. You can also always contact the KPU Teaching and Learning Commons if you need or want help to explore other options within your own teaching. Thanks again for listening.